I first met him, I thought the man just radiates love for Jesus. He just does. And so it's this magnetic attraction. And he looks at everybody through Jesus's eyes as somebody that God loves and needs to have that message of hope. And so when I first thought about it, I thought, man, we need Jerry to come and do the story hour for the kids. And he said, that's not my gift. And I thought, that's crazy. It is to his gift. But he also speaks to adults, and it's a beautiful message of hope. And so we've got Jerry here tonight to close us out with a great message. Yes. Thank you. We want to put a different mic because he doesn't want these busy hands. Is it not? Oh, there we are. Okay, wow. Okay, there we are. All right, let me let me get. Is that good enough? Is that good enough? Okay, I'm going to try to be unbelievably short and talk about a little one of my favorite Bible stories. But before I get there, I like to look at it this way: Everybody sitting here is on a spiritual journey. We're all at a different place on our journey. And so I had a lot of memories drive. I live in Liberty Lake, you know, over before you get to the Idaho border. So anyway, that's where I live. I live by myself now. My wife went home to be with Jesus a little over five years ago, and I had just a one-week notice, and she was gone. And so I've been eating peanut butter sandwiches and Cheerios for five years now. So thank you for dinner tonight. But I usually tell people on on Saturdays, I go to the yellow pages and call churches until I find one that's having a potluck, and that's where I go. <laughs> so, uh, but just coming up here, I drove by Deer Lake and remembered that I was baptized in Deer Lake 60-some years ago. He just said, oh, my goodness. Yeah. I never tell people my age. Here's what I tell them. I went skydiving on my 80th birthday. I'll never forget leaving that plane at 13,000 feet. You know what I said? Jesus, pay attention. (laughs) I'll never forget that. So I went skydiving on my 80th birthday seven years ago. <laughs> Got it? Yeah. I'm sniffing glory at my age. I don't even buy green bananas anymore. And you don't even know what that means. <laughs> what? So anyway. So anyway, just so just driving up here and all of these memories. And I drove by Granite Point. When I was in high school, we drove out to Granite Point because there was a little dance hall there. Sorry about that. (laughs) Anyway, every Friday night, head to Granite Point. So I got all the memories from the past and all the rest of it. But I think the thing that probably hits me the most is real the realization. And you, you wonder how it can happen, but since it happened to me, I know how easy it is to happen. I went to church 
literally every Sunday for the first 20 years of my life. I went to one of those churches that if you went a whole year and didn't miss a Sunday, you got a pin. And then if you went another year without missing a Sunday, you got a pin that hooked onto it. Anybody here went to a church like that? Some of you are identifying. I went 11 years and didn't miss one Sunday. Now tell me you're impressed. (laughs) 11 years without missing a Sunday, you know. And that's why I tell people you can sleep in the garage and not become a car. And uh, so I just think back on my life like that. And you know what my attitude was pretty much in high school? My attitude was kind of like, God, you go your way, I'll go mine. If I need you, I'll holler. (laughs) You know, when I get old and decrepit, I'm going to get right with, I'm there now. Anyway, when I get old and decrepit, I'm going to get right with God and slip into heaven. I had it all planned. I didn't say it out loud, but I thought that. Until... I be I moved up to Calville after high school and worked in the J.C. Penney store. I, I was that. what? I remember that. What a memory! <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, that was right. I graduated in the class right after Noah. But anyway, <laughs> when I look back on that and on that particular time in my life. I kept, oh, by the way, when I, before I came to, uh, come, came up to Cowville, I worked for several months with another young guy, uh, in Spokane. And then I got a letter from my twin sister. I've got a twin sister. I call her my womb mate. And she's 41 minutes older than I am. And, uh, she, her husband went home to be with the Lord 11 years ago, her husband, and my wife five years ago. So now my twin sister and I have a lunch together every week. And here's the two of us looking at each other like <laughs> we started life together. Here we are ending it together, the two of us. So it's a, it's really a neat thing. However, this kid that I became really close friends with, he went back to Pennsylvania to go to college. And then I got a letter from my twin sister, and she said, I want to go to college, and I won't go unless you go with me. So I bought a car for $40 in Colville, and I didn't make it to Spokane. It quit on me. I just left it beside the highway and hitchhiked the rest of the way to Spokane. And all these years, I wondered whoever picked up that car. (laughs) Anyway, so anyway, I came home for Christmas break. From uh, I went over to Tacoma at Pacific Lutheran in Tacoma and went to college there for four years and pitched four years of college baseball there. And when I came home for Christmas break, I ran to the phone to call my buddy that was that came home from was on his way home from Pennsylvania because I'd never been back in that part of the country. Could hardly wait to see him and. Uh, Ran to the phone, picked it up, and uh, I wasn't ready for this. 
His parents, one of his parents answered the phone and told me that he had just been killed in a car accident coming home for Christmas break and God shattered my world. Here was a kid my age and he was gone and that was Christmas. In the next three months of my life, I can remember it like it was yesterday, even though it was 67 years ago. That's how vivid this is in my mind. Because what happened at that point in time was processing all of this. I think of all the things I knew. I knew the Lord's Prayer, the Apostles' Creed, the Ten Commandments. I could say them backwards. I knew all about it. But there was an emptiness in my life. And there was that little gnawing, if something happened to me, am I ready? And here's my best friend, and he's gone. And that little voice that said, if that would have been me, am I ready? And I knew in my heart I wasn't. And I'll never forget those three months in college trying to process all of this. And then, one glorious Easter week, that first year in college, I was walking along the campus all by myself in the middle of the afternoon. And how many of you have heard the little phrase, the light went on? The light went on, and for the first time in my life, it hit me. He went to that cross for me. He paid my sin debt. What have I done with that? And I stood there and realized I hadn't done anything with that. Other than, oh yeah, I believe that stuff. I believe that stuff. And right there, just standing by myself in the middle of a college campus, I just was standing there like this. And I know it's a miracle, but it happens and I'm helping people with this every day of my life. As I travel around the western part of the United States for 26 years now, helping people learn how to talk about their faith. And for the first time in my life, I thank Jesus Christ for dying on that cross for me. And I thanked him for paying my sin debt. And by faith, I asked him to forgive my sin and to be my savior and to transform my life. And I had kids walk up to me within two hours and said, what's happened to you? We can look at you and tell something's happened in your life. And I said, well, come to my room. I'm brand new at this, but uh, I'd love to talk to you about it. So that's what I've been doing for the last 67 years. A question for all of us sitting here. I'm not asking you if you believe in God. But I am asking you, have you personally, by faith, Ask Jesus Christ to forgive you and to be your Savior. Have you made it, that decision? And that's why I call it a conscious, willful choice. And it was a choice. I I believed it all up here, but I needed to make that 
choice, <coughs> by a willful choice, which I did at that moment in time, 21 years old, and I asked Christ to forgive me and to be my Savior. It transformed my life. Question. Have you done that? Do you know that you've done that? If you, and that's what I love to tell people. If I don't wake up tomorrow morning, I'm going to be with Christ forever. Not because I'm a nice person. It's because I personally have put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So if there's one person sitting here tonight, one person or more, I don't know. If you've never made that willful, conscious choice to ask Christ to forgive you, wouldn't tonight be an incredible night to do that? Now, that's my introduction, and it doesn't count on my time, okay? (laughs) These are just a few little thoughts that I had, and uh, now I I don't want to get frustrated here, but I do have a one of my... I loved it. Uh, by the way, I was going to mention to you, and I think I have, or maybe I haven't too either, but the last 26 years I've been traveling Washington, Oregon, Idaho, Montana, Arizona, spent 10 years going to Hawaii. I know you really feel sorry for me. I had a friend that owned a condo, and he gave me a free month every year. So I preached in churches there and then walked the beaches and shared Christ with people all week long. I was in hog heaven, let me tell you. It's, a, it's an awesome thing. So that's what I've been doing literally my whole life. It's just sitting down, talking to people, and finding out where you are spiritually in your journey and how can I help you. Isn't that an awesome thing to do? To just to help people along on their spiritual journey. <clears throat> and then if they've never made the commitment that I've made and to help them do that. I just did that a couple of days ago. I flew home from, uh, flew home from Arizona visiting my middle son. And a gal was watching my bags, uh, before we got on our flight and I walked over and got a mocha. That's my favorite thing when I treat myself. And, uh, we got in this awesome talk. She grew up in the same kind of church that I did. And after I shared with her how I came to Christ, she wanted that. And she sat there in the airport and prayed with me and asked Christ to forgive her and be her Savior. Isn't that an awesome thing? I mean, God just brought her into my life. Divine appointments. And that's why I've often thought uh, something I read and I've never forgotten. Lord, help me. All right, let me get this straight now. I've memorized this because it's changed my life. Lord, give me eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to feel and the will to respond to the people that you bring in and out of my life. Help me to see them like you do. Help me to hear their story. And then give me a heart to go from there on how I can best make an eternal investment 
in their life. The only thing going to heaven is people. Right? We better invest in them. I used to tell my wife, you're... <laughs> I can say things now that I couldn't say. <laughs> anyway, you know what I'm saying. I can say things now that I wouldn't have said five years ago. But I used to, but on those, I used to think it all the time. Your stupid antiques aren't going to heaven. <laughs> and I know what she was thinking, and neither are your stinking golf clubs. So we better start investing in eternity because we've got a hope worth living for, we've got a hope worth dying for, and we've got a hope worth suffering for. And there's a lot of people in the world, what do they say, 200,000 people in the world today, right now as we sit here, are suffering for their faith in Jesus Christ. And sometimes we don't even open up the one mouth we have. And that's why every, I ask everybody, I ask everybody, you learn the three open prayer and it'll change your life. God opened doors for me to bring up Jesus, open their heart and open my mouth. Got it? Open doors for me to bring up Jesus, open their heart and open my mouth. Tell me you got that. Talk to me. I love it when you talk to me. Okay, just say, Jerry, I got that. Okay, now, you just start praying that every day. I, and I got into this years ago, too, by just saying, Jesus, bring somebody into my life that I can touch for you today. And then I added to that, Jesus, bring people into my life where you're already at work. They just need to get hooked up to somebody like one of us. Say, yes, Jerry. (laughs) All right. Yeah, they got to get hooked up to somebody like one of us that can help them. Because I went to a church where I never heard how to become a Christian. Can you believe that? And that's, you wonder why I get excited about this. I've only been excited about it for 67 years now. I've never gotten over it. Isn't that awesome? Look at how many people just sit, soak, sour, and stink. You know? I'm not talking about you, but I'm just... Look at that. You sit and rot in the pew, get their ticket punched, and come back next week. Boy, that's exciting, isn't it? Now here... Oh, my... Okay, what am I... Now I don't know what I'm going to do. Okay, just... Let me do this. Now, when you invite me back, I'm inviting myself back. Now, when you invite me back, I'll finish this, but I'll just give you a few thoughts on it, and we'll let it go at that, okay? Because I love this Bible story. And the reason I love the Gospels is because you can feel, you can feel what's being said. You can feel like you're there, you know? Okay, so let's go with this a little bit. Listen up, I'm reading from uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter 5. Story you all know, but let me just give you a couple of thoughts to go home with. Remember this story? Jesus was teaching in a home in, uh, in Capernaum. 
And Capernaum was a little town right on the edge of the Sea of Galilee. And I've been in Israel twice, and twice I went across the Sea of Galilee on a boat. The first trip I went, that I went on, we had a horrible storm, and people on the boat were scared spitless. Do you think scripture came alive to me that day? Literally being on the Sea of Galilee in a storm? And especially the parents that were on the boat that had small children, they were especially terrified. i never forget that. And the second time I went to Israel, we went on a smaller boat, and just smooth as glass, and then I got to preach on the boat. That was awesome. But you know, when, the, when we had the storm on the boat, you know what I did? When the storm came up on the Sea of Galilee, when I was on the boat, you know what I did? I walked to the back of the boat and I said, peace be still. Guess what happened? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Jesus said it and it all came. Jesus said it and it just calmed right down. I said it. <laughs> okay, so that tells you where I'm at. Okay, uh, yeah, I can't. I keep getting taking some bunny tra- trails off of this. Okay, all right, here we go. Quickly, this is as quick as I'm ever going to be. All right, Jesus in a house. He's teaching. The place is packed. Nobody else can even get in. Okay, you've got that. Okay, I'm going to just... Here comes four friends... And they're carrying their paralyzed friend on a mat so Jesus can heal him. Tell me, I remember that story. See, I know know you do. You know all these stories as well as I do, but I still love to talk about them. So here's four guys, and they get to the house. They can't get in. So what do they do? Now, I don't know how many of you know this, but in Bible times, Many of the homes had a, had a staircase on the outside of the house that led up to a flat roof, and that's where they would go and spend the evenings because of the scorching heat of the day. And so they had the flat roofs. So these four guys couldn't get in the they couldn't get in the in the in the house with it with their friend. So they went to, to carry him around. Went up the stairs, came to God on the flat roof. And then they start digging through the tile. There's a lot of different, and some of them were anywhere from two or three inches thick to a foot thick. I don't, you know, as, as I've read this in commentaries. But anyway, they dug a hole in the roof of the house big enough to lower the guy down. Tell me you're picturing this. Four guys lowering their friend down right in front of Jesus. And you can imagine some of them were looking up when they first started digging. You can see some of the stuff coming down. A hole about this big, this big, this big, finally big enough to lower the guy down. Okay. Tell me you got that. Okay. Now, do you know what the greatest truth that I see in what I've just told you, you know what the greatest truth in this passage? Oh, thank you. You're a good man. I get that. 
I get to wound up and get that little tickle. The greatest truth that I see in what I've said so far, this paralyzed man was wealthy. You know why? Because he had four friends that would pay any price to get him to Jesus. Question. Who are the people in your life and in my life that I'll pay any price to see them come to my Lord Jesus Christ? And I've got people that I lower into the presence of Christ every day in prayer that God will help use me and use others to help them come to Christ as in prayer we lower them into the presence of Christ just like my mother did for my twin sister and I. As she cried and prayed us through grade school, she prayed and cried us through middle school. She, my, then my twin sister came to faith in Christ in high school, and I didn't until Easter week my first year in college. And my, my mother did a lot of praying and a lot of crying. Lowered me down. Question? Who are the people in your life that you love enough to pay any price to lower them into the presence of Christ every day and say, Lord, use me in their life and use other people in their life to help them come to know the Savior that's that's forgiven me and given me eternal life and given me a hope that I'd never have before. And isn't it so awesome? Just to know that if I don't wake up tomorrow morning, I'm going to be with Christ forever? I mean, what do you pay for that kind of hope, which most people don't have? And most people don't even know how to get it, because nobody's talking to them. So this whole story, I see three words. And that first word is love. Four guys love that guy enough. Pay any price to get him to Jesus and then lower him down. Who are the people that you love like that? Secondly, when they lowered him down, and here's the paralyzed guy, and Jesus said to the paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven. Stop a minute. Does anybody see anything strange with that? Hey, we brought our paralyzed friend. We just lowered him down. Why did Jesus say your sins are forgiven? Why? Because that was the greatest need in his life. Not physical healing. Even though Jesus healed him physically, okay, right? But his greatest need was to be forgiven. And isn't it awesome just to stand here tonight? Isn't it awesome just to sit here tonight and know that you are loved and forgiven? Yes, Jerry. 
How many people have we talked about that and talked to you lately about that? See, I want to help you with this. That's what I've been doing for 26 years now, teaching my seminars that I teach all over there, everywhere, trying to help people learn how to do all of this stuff. <coughs> okay? So, what's my first word? Loved. Who are the people that I love enough that I'll lower them into the presence of Christ and pray that God will use me and others to help them come to faith in Christ? That's the word love. And the second word is when Jesus uh, said to the man, your sins are forgiven. And then you remember, what did the, do you remember, any of you, any of you remember what the religious leaders said at this point? The religious leaders were ticked off at Jesus for healing the guy. Yes. And you know what they're so ticked off about? Because when because the the Pharisees and the the religious leaders they said only God can forgive sin. Duh, get it? Jesus just said forgave the guy his sin. He was saying to them, "I'm God, and that's why they hated him." They didn't hate him because of the miracles. They said they hated him because he claimed to be God, and then he proved it. So we got the word love, but I love the word conviction. Conviction is more, no, yeah, I believe that, I believe that. Conviction is it's a truth I'll die for. It's a truth I'll fall on the sword for. And when they lowered him down in the presence of Jesus, what did they know? His only hope was Jesus. That's it. That's his only hope. Haven't you been talking about it this week? What's our only hope? It's a person. And his name is Jesus. He's our only hope. And that was their conviction. Got it? Okay. Is that our conviction? Will we fall on the sword for that? Okay. Then the last part, boy, this is the quickest I've ever gone through this story. And then you've got the four friends. And Jesus saw their faith. Do you think it took faith for those guys to bring their friend over there? Four of them and lower him down there? You know, knowing that this is his own, their, his only hope was Jesus. And look at the faith of those four guys. And so every time I get involved in people's lives, and I think of all the people that I'm in my life now that I'm praying for, I've got three friends. I've been talking to their mates this week or that are dying, that could die this week. I'm involved in all these different people's lives. Jesus saw their faith. And they lowered that guy down. And it was costly. You ever think about who paid for the hole in the roof? <laughs> I don't know who paid for the hole in the roof, but these four guys dug the hole, so I guess they were responsible, right? <laughs> 
What does your faith look like? Impressive? It depends on how you're responding to the people that are in and out of your life. Love? Got it? Hope? Your conviction that they only, their only hope is Jesus and your faith to start moving into their life. Tell me that's an awesome story. But we need to take it and internalize it and flesh it out. Got it? Let's pray. Now this is as short as you're ever going to hear me. Okay, let's have a closing prayer. Okay. Could I be so bold (laughs) as to ask as we pray tonight? Is there anybody here, maybe more than one? I don't know because I don't know. know, There's only two or three of you that I know. Uh, Any of you that like I was, you kind of, I believe all that stuff. But I've never personally made it real in my life and made a conscious, willful choice to trust this Christ as my Savior. So what I'd like to do, if any of you are here and you've never done that, would you be willing to pray this prayer with me right now? Not out loud, I'm not going to embarrass you, but would you pray this prayer quietly in your heart while I pray? Would you do that right now? Let's close our eyes. This could be the turning point in somebody's life tonight. All right, pray with me silently if you haven't done this. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus Christ to die for me. And right now, I'm asking him to be my Savior. Thank you for forgiving me and giving me eternal life. Now help me to live for you. And Father, for the rest of us who have made this commitment in the past, help us to freshen up our commitment and help us to realize we're here to make a difference in people's lives. And I pray that you'll give us a holy boldness and a desire in a love for people, in a conviction that their only hope is Jesus, and that we'll start lowering people into his presence and praying that you'll use us in somebody's life even before this week is out. So thank you for everyone that's here. None of us are here by accident. We're here by divine appointment. And I pray that you've spoken to every one of our hearts tonight. 
In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Now, how many of you believe you're not here by accident tonight? We're here by divine appointment, amen? Amen. Now, so, uh, there's the door. Sick them. <laughs> Get out there and start talking to people. And what's the three open prayer? Lord, open doors for me to bring up Jesus. Open their heart and open. Which of those three prayers do we need to pray the most? With our paralyzed lips, start flapping them a little bit and watch God work. And thank you for having me, okay? All right. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.